mental health problems are more common than we think, even in the church. For all of the things churches do well in loving and serving people, there are a few things we need to understand better. And for many families dealing with mental illness within the Christian community, finding any kind of support or spiritual guidance can be challenging. Because of the way we have ignored mental illness, we are hurting people. We've created a stigma. The truth is we rub shoulders every day with people who are desperate, hurting and lonely. We may not even be aware of the dark road that they travel. Sometimes we notice, but often we don't. Maybe we're too busy, preoccupied or overwhelmed ourselves. To be honest, many days we might be those people, the desperate, the hurting, the lonely, just needing someone to notice, to slow down, to take time, to care. Though the Bible doesn't use the word depression, except in a few translations and verses, it is often referenced by other similar words, such as downcast, broken-hearted, troubled, miserable, despairing, and mourning, amongst others. Throughout the word, there are a number of stories about godly, influential men and women of faith who have struggled and battled through dark times of hopelessness and depression. Many of us may find ourselves struggling there today. Let's consider David. David was troubled and battled deep despair. In many of the Psalms, he writes of his anguish. We think of Psalm 38, verse 4. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And in Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Let's think of Elijah. Elijah was discouraged, weary and afraid. In 1 Kings 19 verse 4 we read, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. We read the story of Jonah, who was angry and wanted to run away. In Jonah 4 verse 3, now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And we think of Job. Job suffered great loss, devastation, and physical illness. So great was Job's suffering and tragedy that even his own wife said, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. And we read that in Job 2 verse 9. And though Job maintained his faithfulness to God throughout his life, he still struggled deeply through the trenches of pain. Job 3 verse 11 we read, 
Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Job 3 verse 26. I have no, no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. In Job 10 verse 1, we read, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. And in Job 30, verses 15 to 17, we read, Terror overwhelms me. My life ebbs away. Days of suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones. My gnawing pains never rest. Think of Jeremiah, who wrestled with great loneliness, feelings of defeat and insecurity. Also known as the weeping prophet, Jeremiah suffered from constant rejection by the people he loved and reached out to. We read in Jeremiah 20, Cursed be the day I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? And lastly, even Jesus himself was deeply anguished over what lay before him. Isaiah prophesied that Christ would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We read from Isaiah 53 verse 3. And we thank God for these scriptures. So here are four thoughts for us as the body of Christ to consider. Firstly, Mental illness is not a character defect or a spiritual disorder. It is often common practice in churches to treat mental illness differently from other illnesses. A cancer diagnosis is never accompanied by the thoughts or questions of causation, yet somehow we immediately assume that there is some underlying defect or deeper spiritual sin causing an individual's mental and emotional strain. Mental illness doesn't equate with laziness, weakness, or lack of willpower. And please note, nor does it automatically imply a demonic attack or spiritual disorder. Mental illness can result from biological factors such as genetics, physical illness, injury, brain chemistry, and it can also be influenced by life experiences such as trauma or a history of abuse, as well as by a family history of mental illness problems. So what do we as the church need to know? People with mental illness love God just like other Christians. They love to read the Bible and are ardent worshippers. They are ministry leaders, Sunday school teachers and prayer warriors who believe God's promises and cling to their faith as a source of strength in the midst of their journey with mental illness. And the church can begin to embrace a holistic approach to mental health that doesn't shame those suffering 
but instead encourages individuals to pursue spiritual, emotional, and physical health. Secondly, people with mental illness don't just need prayer. A recent American study found that a third of Americans and nearly half of evangelical fundamentalist or born-again Christians believe that prayer and Bible study alone can overcome serious mental illness. Sadly, there are more than a few anecdotal stories from individuals in the church body who've been discouraged from taking psychotropic medications and or attending therapy. What that does, such suggestions trivialize the gravity of suffering many experience. And they really prevent individuals from getting the help they need. Whilst personal faith, and including in that is prayer, is shown to be a powerful component of helping to ease the symptoms of depression, Studies also show that a combination of treatment options, including therapy, psychiatric care, spiritual, emotional, and family support, provides the greatest reduction of, simple, uh, of symptoms and long-term stability. We would never encourage somebody with cancer to forego medical treatment in favor of prayer alone. So why would we routinely dismiss treatment for those suffering with mental illness? What we as a church community need to know is that by offering shallow, oversimplistic messages, we invariably heap more shame onto what is already an overwhelming and painful experience. Offer compassion to individuals, even if when it is difficult to understand what they're going through. Listen. Don't dismiss their stories or their pain. Encourage them to pursue their treatment options. And love them right where they are. Thirdly, mental illness doesn't reveal a lack of faith in God. So we can talk about diabetes and heart disease in church because those are seen as medical conditions. But mental illness, that for some reason is often seen as having a lack of faith. I've heard pastors and teachers tell people with mental illness to get in the word for two weeks and their problems will go away. Mental illness has no correlation with levels of faith. Or spiritual maturity. Some of the greatest pastors and theologians and founders of the faith, people like C.S. Lewis, Charles Spurgeon, Mother Teresa, and even Martin Luther, among many others, struggled with depression and a host of other mental health disorders. Thankfully, for each one of us, Scripture is full of broken, hurting individuals who were passionate in their faith and powerfully used by God to accomplish his purposes. 
can I suggest that he also uses individuals today who are suffering with physical and emotional illnesses? So what do we as church communities need to know? We need to know that people with mental illness are some of the strongest individuals around, spiritually speaking. They've had to be. And rather than keeping them away from their faith, their struggles have drawn them deeper into their faith. So don't judge them. Honour them. Respect them. Offer kindness to them. The fourth thing I'd like to suggest is that people with mental illness don't need to get fixed before they can be used by God. Many churches today often encourage those with mental illnesses to get fixed before they can teach or volunteer. And while it's important to make sure perhaps that volunteers are, are stable and well, for many of them the underlying message seems to be getting healed is a prerequisite for turning one's mess into a message or their trial into a testimony. In the process, I believe the church misses out as a whole on everyday opportunities to see God use people right where they are and to see the entire body of Christ strengthened as a result. I find myself being so thankful that no one stopped C.S. Lewis from writing or teaching or Mother Teresa from feeding thousands of children until they got better. We read in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, and I'm reading from the NIV. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't this the message we preach from the pulpit? So what do we as, as church communities need to know? Perhaps we need to know that those with mental illnesses are not less than Christians and they don't need to be hidden away. As long as they are stabilised and well, they do not pose a threat to themselves or others. They are helped immensely from the structure and meaning that serving in ministry can offer. In addition, the church gets to witness the power of a living God working through the lives of everyday hurting people who passionately pursue God in the midst of difficult circumstances. We must learn to talk openly about mental health because churches need to become places where people feel welcomed to talk about where they are. So God wants the body, the church, 
to care for the whole person. And our emotional mental struggles are a significant part of our individual and collective journeys. So what those dealing with mental illness need most from the church is for us to be the hands and feet of Christ, ministering compassion, love and truth to a hurting world in need. In Matthew 11 verse 29, again from the NIV, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus tells us that he is gentle and humble in heart. If we are to be his hands and feet, perhaps Jesus intends that we, the church, become gentle and humble in dealing with the mentally ill. He doesn't intend for those in the body of Christ to add a heavier burden, but for us to be a safe refuge where the wounded and weary among us can find compassion and grace to strengthen them on their journey. We don't have to cure those struggling with mental health issues, and we shouldn't feel compelled to fix them. Yet we can surely pray for and with them. We can walk with them. We can offer a meal, a ride, a cup of coffee, or a listening ear. We in the church body could even begin a conversation about mental health needs that have been hidden in the shadows for far too long. And again, really grateful that Pastor Lauren is taking on this challenge. Because we need to remember that God loves all of his children. He has a purpose for each and every one, even those with mental illness. So perhaps God wants to use them right where they are to teach the rest of us about perseverance, about courage, about faith. We would do well to learn and to listen. Most of us are not mental health experts. So we should stick to what we do know. God is good. God loves us and does not forsake his people. Can I suggest that the most loving thing we can do to a person struggling with a mental illness is to honour them enough to acknowledge their struggles. We should love them enough to listen and fight to connect with them, not against them. We must learn to treat people with mental illness as fellow image bearers of God. Encourage them to seek professional and medical help if need be. Be available. Walk with them, shouldering one another's burdens in order to fulfill the law of Christ which we read of in Galatians 6 verse 2. There is freedom in knowing that even when we can't fully understand each other's stories, we are called to love one another as Jesus loves us, without exception. Thank you. <music>